Bioceuticals is proud to present a one-off seminar, the synergistic application of herbs and celloids, on Saturday the 29th of June 2019 in Sydney with naturopath Dan Jones and legendary herbalist Dennis Stewart. The workshop will include treatment strategies, clinical pearls and case study discussion in this not-to-be-missed event combining 70 years of herbal and mineral therapy expertise. For more information and to purchase your ticket, go to bioceuticals.com.au and click on the Education tab. Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us on the line today is Amy Mingan. Amy is a naturopathic yogini and podcaster with a special interest in women's health. She's the founder of Naturopathic Yoga, combining the holistic philosophy of yoga and human physiology of naturopathy. Her themed yoga sequences feature in online offerings and collaborations with naturopaths throughout Australia and New Zealand. She's created Australia's first movement prescription service where patients can access naturopathic yoga online via their practitioner. Amy regularly interviews naturopathic practitioners for her podcast, Naturopath Specialty Sessions, and also facilitates healing journeys utilising naturopathic yoga within retreat and workshop settings. Welcome to FX Medicine, Amy. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me. Now, naturopathic yoga... This is something that was quite alien to me. Naturopathic treatment, yeah. Yoga, yeah. But the two together, can you explain exactly what this is? The two blend in a way that no one else has ever really done it before. So I'll take you back and tell you a little bit of my story and how I managed to sort of come up with it. Yeah. So I've been a naturopath for 10 years. And absolutely love it, love it, love it, love it. But it's almost like there was this little part that was missing. There was like a part of me that just needed something else. And I've been practicing yoga for 14 years. And every single year, you know, like you get the New Year's resolution sort of thing pop up each, you know, the end. For a second or two. Each year. (laughs) (laughs) Every single year, there would be this little voice that's like, why don't you do your yoga teacher training this year? Anyway, I couldn't ignore it any longer and at the start of 2018, that's when I did my yoga teacher training and I jumped straight into the deep end and started doing workshops and focusing on women's health. I was teaching women about their cycle and talking about hormones and what have you while I was teaching them a yoga sequence and all of a sudden the penny dropped. I was like, oh, this is great. I could actually... I I think more people would like this. I think more people need to learn about this. And I got a lot of really positive feedback from these ladies. Oh, I really liked it when you talked about what was actually happening while I was in the yoga pose. And so I just started to develop my own style of yoga. Uh, It's naturopathic inspired in a way where somebody can be in a certain posture or a pose and I've got them breathing a certain way and they're in alignment but I'm also talking them through what's actually happening in their body at that time. Right. And so when they're 
doing the yoga sequence, it's just like a regular yoga class, don't get me wrong, but you're learning so much more about your body and you become a lot more empowered in your own healing journey. So do you find though that there's a big jump with the with the knowledge of the human body or do you find that your um, clientele have all already got that minimal knowledge level? So... I, and I'm sure a lot of naturopaths would agree here, we try and empower our clients and talk a lot about how the body works within our clinic setting. So, yes, I would say that the vast majority of people who would be practicing naturopathic yoga would have some sort of knowledge of the body, but it's about helping them take it a little bit deeper and helping them sort of step right into that healing journey and and really tune in and become more aware of what's actually happening. Yeah. Mm. And I, I need to ask, take us exactly through what yoga is and what it isn't. Like I'm aware of different types, different styles, mm-hmm. but do you go into different benefits for each style? Do you do these different styles or do you concentrate on one style of yoga? Yeah, that's an interesting one and probably one of the number one things that somebody will say at the beginning of one of my yoga classes, what style do you teach? Right. And I would say that I teach probably a little bit of hatha meets vinyasa meets yin. And so what do all of those mean? <laughs> so vinyasa is almost a bit like um, a choreographed version of yoga. It, it's a breath-to-movement style. So for every single movement, it's more fluid. So you breathe in and you raise your arms up, breathe out, your arms come down. So you're you're tuning into the movement and the breath at the same time. Uh, The hatha is more static and you're getting more into alignment. You're still focusing on your breath, but it's less fluid. So you're not doing as many movements with the breath, if that makes sense. Right. And then yin, yin is a much more slow release it works more into the connective tissue there's a lot more emotional release that can happen for some people there's a lot more slow movement between each pose so it's more static in a sense that you hold the poses for up to five minutes Um, whereas in a vinyasa flow class you're literally breathing and for, for as long as you can breathe in is as long as that little posture will will stay so there's a huge vast difference between the different styles and depending on which themed sequence I'm teaching is dependent upon what styles I'll draw upon. Do you find similarities in yoga? Like for for instance, when you were explaining the vinyatha yoga, um, Mm. in my mind's eye, I'm, I'm picturing the Pilates that I do. Um, is that, do you have similarities there or, or is it just vastly different? Um, I guess there's a little bit of similarity to Pilates in a way that there are certain parts where I'll say, are you switching your core on? Make sure you're breathing. But I would say the yogic breath is really different to the Pilates breath. I would say that's the main Uh, difference. So the yogic breath, you're trying to breathe all the way down, like into the pelvis and fill the lungs all the way up to the shoulders. Right. Versus Pilates, you're almost using about 20% of your lungs because you're trying to keep the core really switched on. Right. There's so much to learn. There is. (laughs) (laughs) We all know we've lost the art of movement in the 21st century. Convenience rules and it's our downfall. Mm. Uh, Why is yoga suited to help patients move more? And indeed, which patients choose yoga? Are there those that don't? Are there those that it's not appropriate for? 
So that's interesting because I am probably one of the most biased people you'll ask that question to. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> so I'm like, yoga's for everyone, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> and if they can't do a certain pose, well, I just modify it for them. And so um, that's what I always say. If you can't do this, we'll use this or try it this way. So I would say there's never a time when you can't do yoga unless you're obviously injured, but you could still do some form of movement. You could still do some type of breath. Yeah. And yoga isn't just about the movement. It is, I guess, pulling on a little bit of yoga philosophy here. They say there's eight limbs of yoga and the movement or the asanas make up just one of those eight limbs. So whilst we in the West focus on the asanas, it's the posture, it's the um, movement, there's still the breath, there's still all the other aspects of yoga that I draw upon to help deliver to the audience and what they need. And then coming back to what you said, losing the art of movement in the 21st century, I completely agree. And it's because of our fast-paced lives. And I feel like my, well, this is my clients. I can speak for my clients here. When I say, so have you considered yoga and meditation? There's a little bit of an eye roll, like, okay, hippie lady. (laughs) (laughs) And I talk them through what yoga is and what yoga isn't. So it's like yoga is whatever you choose for it to be. If you just want it to be some movement, it can be just some movement. You know, it can be more Pilates-based. It can be just so that you can get stronger legs or so you can touch your toes or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. But it's also got this beautiful effect on cortisol at helping to decrease cortisol. It's got this beautiful effect of helping to increase endorphins in the brain and change our neurochemistry. So although those people might be going in for their particular reason reason of opening up their body in whatever way, they will notice these feel-good feelings as a positive side effect anyway. So that's why I'm saying I'm particularly biased because I believe that most people will notice a huge difference if they practice it regularly. Regularly, of course, is the key. I'm just honing in on something you said before there, Amy. You said eight limbs. Was that eight limbs of yoga? Can you explain what they are? So the eight limbs of yoga um, are all about your concentration, your focus, your compassion, going into various things you do off the mat, basically. And it's more in that meditative Ah. state and how you treat people in the world. And, yeah, so anytime you go to a yoga class and they're more philosophical type teacher, they will talk more about what you can do off the mat rather than just what you're doing in your asanas. So how do you suit the patient to the yoga? Do you lead them through various forms or do you stick with one type? So that's a good question as well because you can never predict who is going to show up to a class. That's if they're doing a face-to-face type class with me. And I can never predict who's going to be logging in that day to access a particular yoga flow as well. So what I do is I offer options. So options are like a modification of a pose. So whilst I will be able to go into a more advanced version. I'll always keep it in a more basic version first and then I'll say, now your next option is to do this. So, for example, a really easy thing to think of is like a plank. So you've got your palms on the ground and you're on your tippy toes 
And if somebody can't hold a plank, they would easily be able to hold a plank on their knees. So that's a really easy modification. Yep. If somebody has wrist issues, they can even come down onto their forearms. So there's a few different ways to modify each asana or each flow so that each person is able to choose an option and still feel like they're getting the benefits. Because yeah. even just showing up, you're getting the benefit. What about different exercises for different patients with different conditions? Do you vary your approach? Um, like, for instance, what type of yoga you'd choose, what type of movement, what type of breathing you'd do with each condition? Yes. So each particular pose, there, I talk through the options and then I'll also talk about what's happening in the body at that particular stage. So if... That person finds it hard to, you know, so they do have osteoarthritis in their knee, for example, and they're struggling to do one of the balancing poses. Well, there's always going to be an option for them, if that's too much, to go into an, an easier version of that pose. And so talking them through what's actually happening in their body is going to give them that next level of awareness of where their boundaries lie so that they're not going to go into an injury and they're not going to overdo it, but also it's going to help them keep showing up because it's doable. So I'm reminded of a story, uh, a guy who was a nurse who had osteo like profound osteophytic changes in his um, vertebral column. Um, I don't know if the diagnosis was ankylosing spondylitis or not or some other arthropathy, but... Um, uh, he was basically told that, it, you know, past his early 20s, he would be confined to a wheelchair. That's it. Get used to it. See you later. Um, wow. This particular guy um, was somehow introduced to a type of yoga. I think it was Ashtanga yoga. Mm. Um, uh, he now teaches that yoga. So Amazing. one of the lessons that I was taught out of that is that in the initial phases, there can actually be this sort of period of realignment where you can feel pain. You can actually go through quite a period of discomfort. Like how do you modify um, a reasonable expectation of discomfort versus that's not a normal hurt? Yes, exactly. So talking people through about what the pain feels like or what the sensation feels like, I try and not even talk about it being a pain, that it's just a sensation that the body is feeding back through the nervous system and this is what it's feeling like today and whatever you're feeling is completely okay and getting them to focus back on their breath. But the use of, let's say, here's a classic example for you, Andrew. Occasionally I'll go and um, fill in a yin class at a local gym here for mm -hmm. one of my friends and there a whole bunch of guys show up to it, which is great. I wish more guys did yoga. And I get them to sit cross-legged at the start of the class and yeah. most of them can't <laughs> no. sit with their legs crossed. No. And I'm just, I looked at them all. I'm like looking at them kind of sideways. <laughs> How come you guys can't sit like that? And then I, I, all I had to do was just pop a couple of um, blocks underneath their knees and they can lean their knees against the blocks. And all of a sudden... Week by week, all of them are starting to open up that little bit more because they can actually take the pressure off the hip flexors or the glutes or whatever it is that's really, really tight and doesn't want to let go and that they're feeling the pain and so they've got this resistance happening and they're barely breathing. You put a little prop under them and they go, oh, that's better. Yeah. So sometimes it's just there's really simple things that you can just offer. If this is doing this well, you can use a prop. I would suggest using a prop in this example. You right. know. So um, then each week they can start to play with where they go in that next 
posture. Yeah. So um, the beauty of yoga is it's not just working the bones and the muscles, the tendons. It's also working all that connective tissue. So the connective tissue over time is going to eventually start to lengthen and eventually start to let go. And that's where these people notice the most profound changes. And like you were talking about um, in your story, to be able to get the full fluid movement back into his spine is just phenomenal. So, you know, there's there's a, a medical structural diagnosis that we would say mm. cannot be, be reversed. Now, I haven't got x-ray proof. Wish I did. I mean, where, what a case history this would be. But, yeah. um, but yeah, this is something that I think we need to look into further. But anyway, can I ask the question, when you're when you were talking about, um, you know, sitting cross-legged, one of the interesting yeah. things I found with certain foes, poses, and, and I did notice it with a cross-legged or, or a sort of um, a wide extension of the, of the knees, and that was this, I was, I was vacillating. It was flipping between engaging, like tensing my glutes and relaxing my glutes. Same pose. Mm-hmm. And it was, go, it was almost flipping. And I was going, am I tense here? Relax, tense, relax. What is the best? Like, do you engage a muscle and tense it to become that, or do you relax into the pose and be in that in that position? I always say the best analogy here is to try and be like a cat. You know how cats, when you pick them up, they're almost a bit floppy. Yeah. So you're actually trying to relax, relax, relax. Right. And the the very experienced yogis will talk about how it's all about the breath. The body will just listen to the breath and open up in response to the breath. So the better you're breathing, the better you'll be able to move through into a different posture. But there's always going to be like this uh, muscle memory and connective tissue memory. And, you know, we've got to kind of um, break through those old habits and and body cycles in order to open up. Yeah. Amy, why should we learn and indeed relearn the physiology relating to conditions and the types of movement that may benefit them? That's a really good question. So I believe we should learn and relearn the physiology because it's something that we can just sort of push out of our mind. You know, we all attended naturopathic college way back when and finished our exams and went, all right, cool. Got a basic understanding of most of the human body. And then I feel like a lot of people then will go and niche in a certain area and become really good with, say, like take myself, for example, really good with women's hormones. Um, but then you might get thrown a curveball and somebody comes in with dementia and then you go, oh, okay, well, I've got to relearn something to do with neurophysiology because I haven't revisited that for seven years or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So to me, it's a really important part of becoming well-rounded but also being able to serve our community better, to serve our people better, to be able to draw upon our knowledge and be able to share that as best as we possibly can. So it's just a matter of keeping up to date and relearning and applying it as often as we possibly can. Yeah. I'm reminded here of, I hope I'm not being flippant or glib, but it was actually an episode of ER where somebody walked in on a surgeon and they had a book in front of them. They were going to do the surgery the next day and they were refreshing on on the surgical techniques. And I thought, ah, of course, you dope. 
it, it made me cognizant of what I love to do anyway. Like I, I've, I've got this weird passion for, you know, my Anat and Fizz books and getting out Harrison's medical um, medical text and, and flipping through it every now and again to learn about pathognomonic um, symptoms and, and all of that sort of thing. But it's, it's something that we really need to do as a structured um, thing to relearn what we think we know because things change. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Otherwise, we become so sort of narrow-minded and I feel like we can often get stuck in the same pattern. Um, I'll, I'll draw upon one of the wise guys who I like to listen to, Joe Dispenza. Yeah. He taught, I heard him in a podcast the other day say that we think as humans every day 80% the same thoughts. And I was like... Oh my gosh! Well, so boring. <laughs> do I do I think about coffee that much? <laughs> wow, there's so much more of the world out there, and we keep thinking the same thoughts over and over again. Wow, that is really amazing, so, isn't it? So, Amy, let's just delve into a few different types of conditions that you blend naturopathic treatment with yogic treat with yoga. Let's say, let's say metabolic issues. So, let's go. Uh, diabetes, type two. Mm-hmm. Now we've got a classic picture in our mind's eye that we might think about, but tell us what sort of patients present to you and what's their learning curve. Yeah, this is good. So diabetes type two, there's some really cool studies about how even just one yoga pose after eating can drop postprandial blood glucose levels significantly. So the use of the musculoskeletal system and the respiratory system in order to regulate blood glucose and insulin response is phenomenal. So being able to offer naturopathic yoga alongside all of our wonderful herbs and nutrients and other lifestyle techniques is so profound for someone with type 2 diabetes. So, I mean, that's astounding to me. What about other conditions? Let's go, you know, cardiovascular. So let's say post-heart attack. Yeah, post-heart attack. That's a good one because you think about how somebody is post-heart attack. We're wanting to boost their antioxidant status. We're wanting to help with all their blood circulation. And a lot of these people, let's face it, they're feeling fatigued. They're feeling really out of it. And so I feel like yoga is something you can even do in bed. You can focus on your breath at any time of the day and have a profound effect on every single organ of the body. So there's um, more studies done into the vagus nerve, and I'm yep. this is fascinating. We could talk all day about the vagus nerve because it just has such a profound effect on the body. But as everyone already knows it starts its cranial nerve 10 starts with the brainstem projects down into all the visceral organs inside the digestive tract inside um, the torso and so as we regulate our breath we can regulate the vagal nerve tone so in order to take us out of the stress response and into that parasympathetic response, which we want all of our clients to be in, and take a post-heart attack person, we're wanting them to heal up, aren't we? We're wanting them to get the blood and the nutrients to the areas that we're quite possibly lacking. And so even just having them in bed focusing on their breath and working on their vagus nerve tone is going to have a profound impact on their healing ability. Absolutely. You know what? You've just awakened me to probably, an not probably, an important factor in the um, post-MI uh, depression, the vagal nerve tone. 
Yes. Um, one of the big issues, a, a lot of um, heart attack people, um, depending on obviously the amount of muscle heart death that's, that's um, happened in their heart attack, but let's say they've had a stent. Oftentimes they come out feeling more well than what they did when they went into hospital. And so therefore the impetus for um, change has been taken away because they go, why, you know, I'm, I'm better now sort of thing. Mm. Um, but one of the real big issues is post-MI depression. Now, this is really interesting how Indeed. yoga and naturopathy together can help that. What about things like, um, you know, post-cancer treatment um, or during yep. cancer treatment? You know, the anxiety is a big issue. There's vagus nerve stimulation and vagus nerve. But what about physical aspects? Um, you mentioned fatigue before, for instance. Yes, fatigue. It's a huge one. And there's been some great studies done with yoga as a therapy um, after breast cancer treatment for these women who just have this long-standing fatigue. Yeah. And it's it's improved. It's improved these women's fatigue scores out of out of this world. It's actually really amazing. Uh, and I guess it's going to have like that double um, effect because these women need that connection. They need that nurturing but also they need that that healing aspect and that coming back to themselves. And I think because they're doing all those nurturing aspects, that's probably having that good effect on their fatigue as well as doing the yoga. So mm. they're getting, you know, all the parts of the parcel all together. Yeah. Um, but as we know, we all of our cells require oxygen in order to have better cellular health, in order to have less fatigue in order to have better energy. So it makes sense if somebody is becoming more aware of their breath whilst they're moving that they can only move in the in that positive direction. Yeah. Provided they're not overdoing it because you know some of these people they might like you mentioned ashtanga um a little while back. Yeah. And ashtanga is a really advanced practice it's yep. really quite full-on and you know all these hot bikram style yogas they're really quite a yang practice like a very masculine um not super nurturing i would say yeah um so i would keep those for the people who want to be athletic and and go down that track but for the people who need and require that nurturing and require that coming back to themselves Yoga, like just a hatha class or a yin class, is just so perfect for these people just to retune with exactly where they're at so they can keep moving forward. You know, one of the important things I've, I'm realising, and, and I knew it but I didn't, I wasn't cognizant about it, is that you have to really look at yoga as like which yoga, which class, which type. Um, you need somebody who's got some expertise like yourself to say, well, look, this is what I do because of this. What you're after is this, is that. So your type of yoga would probably suit that. Absolutely. Yeah. 100% agree. And you've probably seen it as well. Clients will come in and they'll, and they'll say, oh, I want to lose weight. And that's the main thing that they come in with. And it's like, oh, well, we've also discovered that you've got all these other things going on that's kind of standing in the way of that. And going and doing this really hardcore exercise class or boot camp, like, oh, oh my gosh, don't get yeah. started on boot camp, yeah. <laughs> um, is often not the thing that that person needs. Like I've had people lose weight by doing really slow restorative style yoga. 
it actually works. I'm wondering here, you know, I mean, I, sorry to harp on about the vagus nerve, but there's an issue, an ongoing stress, a cortisol-type response, but also, you know, the the realisation you, you mentioned earlier that the yin yoga can be very emotional. Um, it's a very slow release. So there's a big issue with weight loss. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And I think because in society we've been told that they have to eat less and exercise more and slog it out and do all the things when they're already doing all the things and yep. it's obviously not working for them. Yeah. And so this whole emotional side of things, if they're going to a class that's teaching them to, to nurture themselves, to love themselves, I think, and I've seen it and experienced it myself, that it's like somebody starts to accept where they're at more and then they can take those steps forward without having to punish themselves. So this is so much more in tune with a healing journey rather than being forceful. Yeah, that's a really interesting point you make there. Can I ask about endometriosis, menopause? Where, mm. where do these fit in with naturopathic yoga? Oh, yeah. See, I love, I love women's hormones. And yoga has the ability to help regulate hormones and help to regulate the innovation of certain organs and to help regulate the circulation to them as well. So um, let's take a twisting posture, for example. And if we're doing it in a low um, squat and then you're turning into a twist, then you're getting this gentle massaging through the organs of reproduction. So you're thinking um, the uterus and the ovaries. And then when you actually release that twist pose, all that beautiful oxygenated blood is going to flush into those organs. So it's almost like these waves of nutrients and blood can really flush through and regulate it at that cellular level just while this person's doing yoga. And right. so that's where I feel um, naturopathic yoga takes it to that next level because, you know, you might have that person in clinic with you and you're talking them through which herbs for this because this will help control the bleeding and this will help with the inflammation. And then I want you to do this yoga because this yoga will help regulate and help those herbs to get to where they need to get to. Do you find that incorporating naturopathic yoga allows you to rely less heavily on interventions like supplements and include that, you know, I mean, we know that lifestyle, we need to use that as a foundation, diet and lifestyle, we get it. But do you find that using this sort of active treatment, this active movement type and breathing treatment, that you therefore can rely less heavily on supplements? Yes, yes. I would say I tend to rely less heavily on them. Um, like most women who see me for their hormones, I get their diet and lifestyle sorted first and then all the supplements, they're just treats. So I would say like lifestyle and diet are 80% and then anything else we need to tweak, like they might need magnesium or some liquid herbs or something like that, yep. well, that's the other 20%. Yeah. And it's a really easy way for women to feel more balanced because they're doing the work they're not relying on, oh, I have to take this liquid because they're actually going, okay, I need to do this yoga because, and I feel this way, and I'm going to keep doing that because it keeps making me feel good. Oh, and that's right, and I'm taking these supplements just to fill in those nutritional gaps that I've got, and these herbs help to regulate these hormones. And then within a few months, these women are feeling amazing. Yeah. 
caveats, cautions, contraindications. I mean, you know, we're dealing with some people who have had really serious things happen to them, heart attack and things like that. So how do you balance um, what's acceptable in a movement to, hey, listen, nah, <laughs> it ain't happening with you? Yeah, yeah. So I guess what I always say in any particular yoga pose, yoga class, and this is regardless of whether you're doing it with me or with somebody else, is you only have to listen to your body because your body knows. Your body knows exactly where it, where the limits are and where the boundaries are. I feel like the only time there will be an issue is if somebody's overstepping that boundary for whatever reason. You yeah. know, they might be coming from, let's say they've had an early heart attack and they're in their 40s and they're wanting to jump straight back into something um, but perhaps their body's not ready and they might push it a little too hard. Um, but I would have to say that so long as you're staying within your own comfort zone to an extent, yeah. there is really nothing to worry about. And the beauty of yoga is it'll only enhance what you're giving your patients. It's not going to be contraindicated with anything. It's going to help increase the healing. It's going to help with the circulation. It's going to help deliver everything into the muscles and the bones and the tissues and the cells. Um, so, yeah, if anything, it's enhancing. But going back to contraindications, the main contraindications are mostly to do around pregnancy. Um, so I've recently filmed a prenatal series for women with history of miscarriage. Yeah. So that was a beautiful, beautiful series that I, that I filmed. And they are women who, with the anxiety picture with, who want to do everything right, but they also need that utmost safety. And believe it or not, it's all about keeping things in alignment and not doing anything across the body that is going to like twist. You know how I was talking earlier about the twist and the yep. reproductive organs? We obviously wouldn't do that in a woman who has a history of miscarriage gotcha. who is pregnant. Yep. You know, so it's things like that. And there's various pranayama techniques, which is also known as like the breathing techniques. Um, but I don't necessarily go into those too much. I may bring out some pranayama series later on because it is really energizing. Um, but that's the only other thing that you, you wouldn't do pranayama if you had high blood pressure. You would take it really, really easy if you had adrenal fatigue. Um, I have had adrenal fatigue pretty bad in the past and go, going through some yoga poses, I'll get really dizzy. Mm. So, you know, it's, and then you just have to stop for a second. You've yeah. got to, like, get your vision back and you've got to let that blood get back to your head. So if you're one of those people, you just literally don't keep pushing it. you just got to stop for a sec and then catch back up with where the class is. Or if you're doing it online at home, you just pause it and then you just stop for a sec and catch your breath and wait for everything to regulate and then you can hop back in and, and just go gently. So, yeah, they're the main things um, is listening to your body. Yeah. Uh, and not overdoing it. So therefore, if we're talking about listening to your body, males therefore are obviously at uh, greater risk of any sort of <laughs> um, <laughs> side effect, adverse effect, because we don't listen. But I, I, I think the thing that you're pointing out is when they're doing it in the in the privacy of their own home, just like if they were doing any exercise, any sit-up, any whatever, that they're yeah. more likely to listen to go, oh, okay, yeah, that hurts, don't do it sort of thing, you know? And there's going to be some days when you feel amazing and you can do absolutely everything and then the next day you try and balance and you're falling over. So it's like you have to just take each 
each day as it comes. You can't expect, like have that over expectation of yourself. Just turn up to do your movement to feel good, yeah, and then see what happens on the other side. Yeah, I, I'd go for a walk with it with our dog, and um, I'll leave him at the top of the hill because he won't come down. He's lazy, and um, and I just walk <laughs> down this hill. I walk down this hill, and I just sprint up. Right now, what I find right. really interesting is taking my pulse after. There can be a variation of like twelve beats per minute um, on that on that sprint. Now, allowing that you know you'll get variation in performance, I get it. Um, but it's really interesting to me just how different each day can feel with regards to what you think you can do. Um, athletes will know more about this. I am not one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, have you heard of the concept? Um, a lot of athletes look at their heart rate variability. Ah, you know, um, this is something I need to learn about more because I'm not, I don't understand it. Like heart rate variability, I would think is good, but then there's heart rate variability, which is bad. Well, a lot of them will use it um, purely as a measurement. So they do it the first thing in the morning. There's a there's a new ring. I actually bought one for my husband for Christmas called the Aura Ring. Yeah. And you can it's good because you can put it on airplane mode, so you're not getting the Wi-Fi from it all day long. Yeah. Um, but it tests your heart rate variability, and it just connects to an app on your phone. And so it will tell you what basically what your heart rate variability tests is your sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system gotcha. and how innovated it is that day. And so that's the effect that it's having on the heart muscle. And so if you're in the green zone, you could do a really hard workout if you're an athlete. Um, we're talking here, um, or if you're my husband, for example, he would go for a big trail run because that's what he's into. Yeah. Um, versus if you're in the red zone, quite often you'll be feeling in the red zone. There are days where you you should probably just go for a walk, or you yeah. just do a really light, gentle yoga session, or whatever it is that um, floats your boat. But you um, can look at this heart rate variability as a way to match up where your body is and where your nervous system is in order to get gain the better results as well. You've also developed a course, though, which ties all of this together, right? Yes, or a series of different courses, yes. So when did you first yeah. realise that this sort of thing was missing from your clinical toolkit and, and how long did it take to develop, to develop and, indeed, what's the outcome of it? Okay, so after that workshop that I held in April this year, 2018, um, it took me about a month to start develop, like to actually come up with the name naturopathic yoga. Mm. Which at the time I was a bit hesitant because I'm like, oh, but it actually it is exactly what it is. Yeah. And then I sourced myself a videographer, and she happens to be one of my friends, and we go to studios and different locations, and I film different themed sequences for different areas of the body. So, for example, at the moment we've got the Rejuvenation Series, which is more yin-style, restorative, great for adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue sort of picture. Mm. Um, there's also a Thyroid and Metabolism Series, which is great um, for stimulating and regulating the thyroid gland, getting the metabolic rate happening. Uh, the third series that's just been released is Digestion and Stress, which You'll hear me talk about the vagus nerve a lot in that and talking about anxiety and stress and 
the effects that it's having on digestion and talking people through their different digestive juices and all of that sort of thing and mm. different yoga poses to help that out. Um, the next series that will be released will be the Adrenal Activation Series, which will come out um, at the start of next month. And I've got others in the pipeline. So there's the prenatal series will come out in Feb. There's also a foundational series that I filmed as well um, and an oncology series. So they are all in the pipeline to come out next year. Mm. And so basically the way that it works is I've got an online platform that I have uploaded all those videos to and people can become a member of Naturopathic Yoga. So this is people, um, health professionals as well as the general public are welcome to. And they basically log in, they become a member, they log in and they access whatever yoga flow um, they need for their condition. So in each series, you'll find anywhere between six and eight different yoga videos that they can access. So it's all accessible at home or they can do it in the local park if they wish. They don't even necessarily need a yoga mat, even though it will probably be nice to use the yoga mat. Uh, and all the flows are between 10 and 30 minutes long. So that those people who, this is my big clincher because everyone who I say in my clinic, I need you to go to a yoga class, the big excuses of I don't have time come up and I don't, I can't fit it into the yoga timetable. Yeah. That comes up as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, even if this is a mum who has kids at school and she's not got to go to work, she's like, if I go to that 9.30 class, that's half the day gone by the time I'm finished it, even though she feels amazing going and doing it. So at least she can do her yoga at home and then get, get on with her day. So um, there's short bite-sized pieces for the people who just need those little foundational starting points and then it, I take them on a journey through each series so they eventually get into the 20 minute ones and then they get into the 30 minute ones so um, the other the caveat to this is there are how many have we done now I think there's been 10 naturopaths so far who have wanted naturopathic yoga as a part of their online programs that they're um, giving to their audiences. So naturopathic yoga features in all these different, so there's some thyroid programs and there's some oncology programs and there's some pregnancy programs, et cetera, that naturopathic yoga is within as well. So all those naturopaths out there with their online courses and they're wanting to make it holistic by having the movement in there too, well, um, that's a, another niche that I've created the naturopathic yoga for. This is awesome for further learning. Um, so this is directed at the end of the consumer. Have you got any plans to develop programs to help naturopaths take on what you're doing? Definitely, definitely. So my big plan is to help other naturopaths help their clients. Yeah. So basically helping them by creating movement prescriptions and so they get their own unique link from me and they give that link to their clients to access naturopathic yoga and I guess like any sort of patient ordering system that that person normally accesses well they're treating their movement yeah. in the same way yeah. so if that person becomes a member of naturopathic yoga well it's like they've just Sold a magnesium product, but it's in a movement way. Yeah, <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. I love I love the way that you know, like 
it's prioritization of the lifestyle issues and in a form which you know affects not just physical aspects but emotional aspects of well you know as, as well so i just think it's such a great little sort of package and i not the least of which we need to open up a little bit about what is yoga but <laughs> but um <laughs> what other further resources can you share with us that we might be able to put up on fx medicine okay so you can find out more about naturopathic yoga um, I've got a site, which is naturopathicyoga.teachable.com. Um, also on Instagram, which is naturopathic yoga. And I'm on Facebook as well. So that's naturopathic yoga with Amy. And I've also got a YouTube channel for any of you who are on YouTube. Uh. So you can just literally put naturopathic yoga into the search bar in YouTube and I'll come up. So there's lots of different ways you can access content and lots of different ways you can get in contact with me. Fantastic, Amy. And um, we'll put some of the research that you've mentioned also, we'll put that up on the fxmedicine.com.au website as well. Amy, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking us through this today. Naturopathic yoga is something I would have never contemplated, obviously because of my ignorance of yoga, but I love the way that you've packaged it together. You know, you've made it um, um, adjustable for all age brackets or conditions or levels of fitness or disease, discomfort. Um, It's really personalised. So I've got to say, hats off to you. Thanks, Andrew. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can find more Industry Insights podcasts and resources under the Community tab on the FX Medicine website.